When our best fur friends leave our world, many of us are left wanting one last scritch, one last hug, one last walk together. One Last Network is a space for pet guardians to honor their pets in their senior years and to cope with the days leading up to and after their passing. Here's your host, Angela Schneider, founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. Welcome to One Last Network and the art of loving them all. Nestled on an 11-acre farmland in Rutledge, Georgia, sits a special rescue for dogs. The dream for pet and horse photographer Courtney Bryson, whom you may remember from the art of finding the perfect imperfect, and her wife Renee Usry began when they helped on a hoarding case in August 2011. There were 35 Boston Terriers, Pugs and Bugs, or Boston Pug Mixes, in crisis. Local rescues teamed up and needed just six days to coordinate transportation and fosters for each dog. But first, they had to wait in a non-climate-controlled and very crowded municipal shelter. Six to eight dogs were in each kennel, and they were all suffering from mange, flea infestations, and illnesses. More than half contracted parvo and died. Courtney and Renee launched their mission, to look for land where they could build a short-term emergency shelter for dogs in crisis. They purchased their property in October 2012 and launched the Rescue Ranch with 17 indoor kennels, each with its own outdoor dog run and space for veterinary exams. And over there in the corner, you'll see a memorial garden for the pets they took in and never left. As the Rescue Ranch evolved in this last decade, Courtney and Renee are rising to the challenge of working with medically fragile and hospice animals, which means they have to say goodbye, often sometimes sooner than they expected. Today, they share with us a conversation they have about the challenges of facing grief as often as they do. Have a listen. Today, I thought that we would talk with my wife, Dr. Renee Ursery, about some of the experiences that we've had in running the Boston Terrier Rescue that we founded in 2014, the Rescue Ranch where we have come to specialize in medically fragile and hospice dogs, which means we get to see a lot of grief. So, Renee, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm uh, Renee Ursery. I'm actually a clinical psychologist. Um, I work with children, so I do not specialize in grief or working with adults. Um, I think I'll be talking from experience today from just what we do in rescue and and from our own pets. So how do you think that we ended up kind of falling into this niche of medically fragile and hospice dogs? Hmm. Um, I would say, I guess the, our experience, um, I think the longer we were in rescue, the more experiences that we had with different kinds of dogs. Um, and I think we figured out that we do the dogs, um, or we do really well with the dogs that require kind of ongoing needs or have medically complex presentations. Um, so I think it kind of fell into that in that we would end up losing several of those, whether it was like cleft lip and palate babies that we were trying to tube feed, or um, we had what pugs with degenerative disorders that we lost, um, all sorts of things. 
So I think the more, the more and longer we are in rescue, the more we kind of, that's what we experienced. And then I think people sought us out because we had that experience and we became known for that. So it just increased the number of kind of medically complex. Or even with hospice, we had always opened up a spot uh, to the Atlanta Pyrenees Rescue to do their hospice dogs. Um, we were set up on a farm. Um, I think it was great for them. They loved it. Um, and we would come in with the mindset that we would only have them for, what, a week or two, and then six months later they were still with us. So I think they thrived um, here with us and with the kind of farm environment. I do kind of think that once we moved out here to the farm and the way that my job is set up now where I'm primarily at home, kind of gave us a unique ability to deal with some of the dogs that needed medications every few hours or tube feeding every couple of hours. Yeah, monitoring procedure activity, all those things. Yeah, it was an absolute blessing that you worked from home. Can you remember the first hospice dog that we brought in? I'm guessing it would be a Pyrenees, but we've lost so many, like we're actually sitting in our living room and there is a cabinet that I'm guessing probably has 40 sets of ashes from pets right. that we have fostered or cared for. Um, I don't know the first one. Well, I think even before the Pyrenees, we had some of the Bostons. We had um, Titan yeah. and... I mean, we definitely lost, but I don't think we went into it thinking this was a hospice. It mm -hmm. was, they were unadoptable and they stayed with us until they passed or they developed some sort of medical condition that they passed from. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think back because we had like um, Theo, remember the husky mm -hmm. that we got from animal control that they thought he'd been hit by a car and he was a senior guy and we thought that we would have him forever and then he got adopted and he came back so I guess in the end we did have him forever yeah. until he passed. Yeah. Um, we had Pal. You remember Pal, the other husky? Yeah. Um, who was and there was one that had gunshot. That was Pal. Yeah, He'd been yeah. shot, yeah. And then he developed um, some type of sarcoma. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's hard to remember all of them. I think when you have that many, like how many do you think we've fostered over the years? Over a thousand. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this fifteen years, and for a while we were doing a hundred dogs a year. Yeah. So yeah, no, I can. I couldn't tell you the first, but they all not saying that they weren't meaningful. I just don't know that I can remember all of those their names, um, which is kind of sad on my end. Um, I couldn't remember all their names. I was trying to think um, when we were kind of getting ready for this. Like there are some that stand out, yeah, and there are some that I think about at certain times of year or when we do certain things that I know they would have loved. Yeah, um, but I, I couldn't sit here and create a list of names no there's no way no but I think we like absolutely cherished them while we had them so but what, what was the husky that I mean that had the or Pyrenees one he's we have the picture with him with the the hat on Stevie Stevie like Stevie was precious and Kip Kip the giant one um and then we have little teeny tiny Brie mm -hmm. that um we lost last year at this time yeah, so. I've been thinking a lot about Brie yeah. as we get ready for this upcoming week. Yeah. 
Yeah, so she died almost you know, exactly this week, um, last year. Um, and she was a train wreck of a dog, or a puppy. And yeah, that one was a gut punch. So I think one of the things that we have gotten to experience that I don't know that many pet parents get to experience, I guess kind of luckily many pet parents don't get to experience, is losing them at all stages. Mm-hmm. From everything from tiny Our puppies, old, yeah. yeah, that we've either tube fed or had abandoned that came in with issues or had some other kind of medical thing that we were working on mm-hmm. to kind of very sudden losses in what felt like the prime of their life yeah. um, to kind of having to make decisions as they age on quality of life. Yeah. yeah I think the frequency that we experience this is partly insane. Um, but it does give you that kind of unique perspective at looking at it from all life stages and but still i think we've always kept uh, or the more that we grew as rescuers and as people i think the more we quality of life became more and more and more important like looking back on ones that we should have let go sooner you know or when we just started a rescue because you, you just don't want to have to make that call um or you don't know if it's time like you know you kind of sit there and you try to weigh it out um to now it's like, no, this is the best gift I can give them. You know, we've utilized every treatment option available and their quality of health means, or quality of life means so much more. Not that it didn't back then, but I think it was just such a tough decision to make Yeah. that we've had to make it a hundred times. It's a lot easier at the hundred and one time versus the second time. Yeah, well, I feel like we've done a better job of knowing, I don't know, I guess kind of that distance from it and practice mm-hmm. in doing it. Um, to take a step back and look and like yeah. really assess it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a luxury that you don't have. Yeah. Like, Winst- is it Winston? We should let go way before we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel guilty about that one. Would I make a totally different decision now than I did then? But I thought I was doing the best by him yeah. back then. But in retrospect, no. And I think like one of the ones that really sticks out for me um, is Scooter. Remember, she is the one you... She was an owner surrender. Um, oh. And we didn't know, but she yeah. had been receiving medication for heart failure and glaucoma um and those didn't come with her when she was surrendered nor did they disclose that yes yes oh um, you were mad i was mad that was one of the times i was the angriest i think yeah. in the way in the time that we've done this yeah uh because it wasn't fair to her no no that was that was bad um i think some people it was presented as this was a senior dog and they, I could think what they were moving or something. They couldn't take care of her any longer. Or they couldn't take her with her. And we get her and we're like, oh, something's way wrong. Um, and it took a couple of days of diagnostics to figure out what was going on with her when she was really ready to go. Yeah. And I think now looking back, you know, kind of again with that distance of seeing it and making the call over and over that we would have made a call 
sooner mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, but we were still trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know. We'd only had her 24 hours. Yeah. So. And I think the other big one for me that I feel like we did a pretty good job on um, was Boogie. Yeah. Who came in, uh, which they ended up after she passed. Um, we had the necropsy done at the University of Georgia, and they ended up diagnosing her with encephalopathy, encephalitis, encephalitis. yeah, encephalitis of the brain, um, an idiopathic encephalitis, which is always kind of the most frustrating diagnosis. Anytime we stick idiopathic in yeah. front of it, for I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, um, but I think that experience kind of really taught me about trying to fit as many good things in mm-hmm. as we could to kind of give them this really incredible experience while they're with us. Not yeah. just for dogs that come in as hospice dogs, but even for our own dogs. Like, yeah. I want to do more with them. Yeah. So for if you didn't know Boogie's story, uh, we made a bucket list for I mean, once we kind of diagnostically figured out that this was a degenerative disease process that she was going through, um, that... We knew our time was limited with her, um, that we really were able to set up an amazing, what, two, three weeks for her, Mm -hmm. that any and everything that you could think that a dog would want to do, we did with her. Um, And we had a a big social media presence. Um, People would write in. They were working on uh, letting her go out at the Braves Stadium, Mm -hmm. remember? Um, Yeah. There were some folks that worked for Turner that were working on that. Sadly, she passed before um, that was able to be done, but other people wanted to see her travel all around the United States, so we ended up taking her to Stone Mountain, where it had all of the southern states, like a, a monument for them, so that we were able to stop and visit and talk about each state with her. Um, she went and met horses and snakes, and remember at PetSmart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were taking her to PetSmart to pick out a toy. And we ran into a snake, uh, a pet snake. <laughs> um, but a lot of people followed her. Um, and she impacted a lot of people. Because it really was about just get the absolute most out of life. Um, Courtney had photographed her and made a book that we ended up selling. Um, and donated all the funds to the neurology department at the UGA um, School of Veterinary Medicine. So we, we kind of chuckled afterwards that there were probably not many rescues that are able to donate. Um, it was a couple thousand, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. To um, a vet school when historically we would spend several thousand <laughs> with them. Um, but that was a really neat depart- a neat experience and we got to meet a lot of the, the neurology department, uh, the head of the department, um, different branches of the, the school. Um, so that was really neat, but she brought a lot of people together. Yeah. Um, and now I think we, I, you're right. I think we do a lot more or kind of provide them experiences and you kind of get that look like, well, they're just dogs. Like, do they really care about going to the beach uh, watching our dogs on the beach? I think they love it. Um, or, you know, we take them to the mountains and they love it. They chase, they do lure chase. They love it. Like whatever they can do. Yeah. And we try and do all of these different enrichment things, both yeah. with, you know, just activities that we do here and the training that we do and figuring out, you know, kind of what each dog's thing is that I think we've kind of seen with our own dogs that 
Mikey is a barn hunt dog for sure. Yeah. Carolina loves agility. Yeah. Lyra likes scent work. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of having these experiences with some of the foster dogs that we've had has changed the way that we interact with our own dogs. Oh, absolutely. No, and I think um, especially we've just opened up to boarding and daycare. Um, and we're looking at all these kind of new enrichment things that we added in and making sure that all of our dogs participate in all those activities. Like, you know, we've got Cora, our little pocket pit, who goes and jumps into a uh, bottle, what do you call it, bottle pool, bottle pit, yeah, um, to search out um, treats out of plastic water bottles and all sorts of stuff. It sounds silly, but she enjoys it. Um, we play bubbles with them. Um, all those kind of things that just make their life full. And then on the flip side is when they pass, it leaves such a, to me, a hole. Mm-hmm. Like things just don't feel right for a while. Yeah. But I think like, yes, they don't feel right for a while, but we also have so many more memories that we can pull on about, yeah. about each dog. As opposed to, you know, I think about... Um, like dogs I remember having as kids, like they stayed the at home and we went out in the yard and that was, yeah. I mean, their life in comparison feels much smaller and even the memories that I have, there's not as much variety and yeah. there's not as many things as I remember because yeah. like, you don't have the same breath. yeah, how many times can you remember a day that you went and sat in the yard? Yeah. Um, I think that's been different. Yeah. And I think the other thing that is kind of different with the way that we've done it is, like you mentioned, that we have the social media presence. So for the Rescue Ranch, we've got, I think, almost 50,000 people now that kind of follow their stories. Mm-hmm. More than that, if we count across all the social media platforms. Yeah. Um, of people that get really invested in these dogs with us and get to experience their life, but also then have to experience the grief of losing them. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, how many times do we, I mean, and we do the same thing. We follow other dogs um, and other rescues, and it is still a gut punch when one of them passes. Or, like, um, it always gets me when they're doing well, and then all of a sudden you lose them, and you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Um, but it hurts almost like they're, I, I, they're not one of ours, but mm-hmm. it still hurts. Well, like you talked about, like they're not one of ours. We also have dogs that we have adopted out because we've been doing this now for 15 15 years years. or so, um, fostering dogs. And for as many as we have lost in our care that we've done hospice care for or medical things that, you know, they weren't adoptable, we have adopted out that many more. Mm -hmm. Um, And we grieve there. When, because we just had a, we just lost a younger dog, um, what was it, two days ago, mm-hmm. um, that had been adopted out, and it, the manner that it happened was devastating. I think I, I know it was for the adopter, um, but it was devastating for all of us too. Like, it's like an extended family. Yeah, and I think that's um, one of the things that's really neat with the rescue work that we do do, is that. We kind of continually, we, we post adoption updates and we hear from owners a lot. Um, we see them at events that we may hold or they just send us, you know, updates periodically that they're still present for you, mm-hmm. even though they're not in the house with us. Well, I think like we've talked about too, that as our rescue has shifted, we don't do the volume of dogs that we do anymore, but right. we do 
your dogs that require a lot more um, in care, which means I think our family of rescue people that adopt from us has become smaller and closer knit so Mm -hmm. that it feels like, I don't know, we are still really attached to those dogs even after they've left. Yeah, and and they're people. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I was thinking when we did, we do a giant Easter egg hunt every year. Um, I think we stuff like, what, 500 plastic Easter eggs with dog bones and treats and we put it out in the yard and it is like a giant family reunion to me. Um, and where you catch up and like we've watched um, some of the volunteers like their kids grow up and now their kids are having kids and we're like oh my god we're getting old (laughs) but um, you first yeah you see I mean and we've gone through them losing their pets um, and they still like I mean we have people that still keep in contact with us even though the dog that they adopted is gone you know they are still on social media and other platforms follow along um, but it is like a giant extended family. Um, so it's really neat in that experience. And I think it's very unique. Um, but also it kind of opens you up for so much emotions or so many emotions. It's like, mm-hmm. whew, you know, some days it's overwhelming. Like, what do I do with all this? Uh, or like when one passes or one dies unexpectedly. Um, it really is like emotions magnified because of the volume mm-hmm. that we do. So kind of talking about their overwhelming, um, at times, how do you think the way that you process grief has changed going through it as often as we do? Mm, that's tough. I, I would say in some ways it has, and in some ways... I don't think it has changed like cognitively like you know I can sit back and say especially if we get a hospice one you know what you're signing up for and you know that at some point granted they're all going to leave us at some point but you come in prepared and you know you're going to lose them whereas in I think that shifts like my relationship with them and that I want to give them the best experiences before they go and I know I can do that when we have another dog like Bree that we just lost unexpectedly that can you say sucks I mean I don't yeah (laughs) um there's no way to prepare for it so I think in some ways having done the volume that we have is that you try to prepare and then in other ways you're still human that it still hurts. Um, and like, I think you can always compartmentalize it. Like, yes, we did the best we can. Or, you know, when one leaves us, that opens up a spot for another. Like you can tell yourself all these fine, wonderful little things, um, but it still hurts. Um, I don't think like losing Brie hurt as much as when we lost Willa, or one of our first Boston's. Um, those things still hurt. So, and, and some days it is overwhelming and some days it's not. But I think anytime that you love something, you run that risk of, you know, you're going to lose them and there's no way not to feel. I, I wouldn't want to not feel all the wonderful feelings I have for them just to avoid the pain part. Yeah. I don't think that's humanly, I mean, it's not healthy to me or possible 
for me to do it. I, I can't separate that piece. I don't think that you can love them deeply without hurting deeply when they leave. Absolutely. Uh, and like I, I know, like, and for some of them, like the ones that are suffering, like you know, it is a gift to be out of that pain and wherever they're at in their next life, you know, all of those things, you still know those things. And it, it, hopefully it brings comfort, but I've never like really separated it out. Like I know they're better off, yeah, but it doesn't make it any less painful. So. I think for me, I feel like, especially in the beginning, um, and maybe when our, pace was so frantic Mm -hmm. that it was like you never had an opportunity to grieve so it was just constantly let me put this in a box and move on to the next emergency definitely very right on that Uh, because we were so because we were running such a higher number of dogs that that you couldn't break down you couldn't take time to grieve because you had 20 other dogs that you had to look after and be present for um i do think that, that that is very different now that we have time to really sit with it yeah Um, so we think we've learned to give ourselves a little more space for grief mm -hmm. and processing time yeah (laughs) well i think just how our life is set up now is that we do have that luxury yeah whereas before i don't think we did and i think i I felt like i was hitting a wall at some point um because i don't think we did a great job of kind of emotionally taking care of ourselves at that time mm-hmm. you know they talk a lot about compassion fatigue and um so it would, it would for me it would be hard to go to work and my job is emotionally uh, very taxing and then to come home and our home is this environment um that you can't get away from it um and it's still the same, I guess, setup, but because of the way we're doing rescue is different, um, it, it allows us the freedom, I think, to take care of ourselves a little bit better. Yeah. So, and hopefully we learned that over time that we had to take care of ourselves. So you can't see it since we're on audio, but now we have dogs wrestling on our heads. <laughs> <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up, Are there things that you think you could offer advice to people who may be facing the loss of their pet and they haven't done this a hundred times? I think the idea of really allowing yourself time and space to grieve is incredibly important. I think even knowing that it's okay to grieve differently for different dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, each one seems to hit differently. It, it may, I mean, I think your relationship with your dog is unique. It, it's not, I can't say that I've had two relationships to two different dogs that are identical um, in that, yeah, you're going to grieve differently for them. It, it'll hit you at different times. Like for somebody, it may be when they go, you know, get in the car. Maybe they're always used to having their dog and that's with them and that's when it hits them. Or somebody else, it's, you know, oh, they love jumping in the fall leaves and it may hit them in fall. Um, so just kind of knowing that things will hit you differently at different times, depending on your relationship with that dog. 
I think too, even looking back at dogs that it's been years since we lost them, there are still certain times of year or certain things that we do that you go back and really feel that grief almost brand new. Yeah, and I think that's the hard part. Um, and I think there are some things. I mean, definitely time does make things better for me. I can say that. But yes, there are times that it will hit me. Or if uh, I can't stand it when somebody sends me a memory on Facebook. Uh, you know, like, and it'll hit me out of the blue. Like, oh, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop sending those. Um, yeah. Um, that sometimes it's more raw than other times. Um, but I think as a whole that you know that silly saying about time kind of heals things and I, I do think it does it doesn't mean I loved him any less uh, or things like that I think the pain's just not quite as intense yeah in one of the books that I read they talked about like almost envisioning grief as like I don't know like a ball or your memories are a ball and it keeps hitting this button of grief and as you move past time the ball doesn't get any smaller and the button doesn't get any smaller, but the room that that ball is rolling around in mm-hmm. gets bigger yeah. so that it still hits, just not as often. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right, so is there anything else that you can think of that you want to say about losing dogs? I mean, really... It's just that it's okay to grieve them. You know, I think some people say, oh, or you hear them say, oh, it's just a dog. Um, I think for so many of us now in our culture, it's a family member, not just a dog anymore. Um, and then it's okay to grieve and then it's okay to cry or it's a, however you choose to grieve, um, that it is okay and that you need to uh, because I think they hold such a valuable place in our lives that you got to honor that. I recently started volunteering my photography skills with one of the rescues local to me in eastern Washington and North Idaho. This is something a lot of pet photographers do when they're starting out. They need to build a portfolio, practice a few things, and do some networking to get the word out about them. I certainly tried several years ago, but I had to stop. Leaving dogs behind in their kennels broke my heart. I wanted to save them all. My last day at this particular shelter, I left behind a great Pyrenees that I couldn't bring home with me. I left that facility in a puddle of tears. After all of my grief training, I've added some resilience to my toolkit, and I can leave the rescue I'm currently helping with a light heart and a smile, knowing I'm helping dogs find their families. And I don't need to build a portfolio. I don't need to get the word out about me. I just want to help the dogs. But I don't know that I could do what Courtney and Renee are doing, guiding so many dogs down those last walks to the end. Many of the dogs they take in are suffering from serious health issues, abuse, or neglect. They don't resist the urge to connect with these dogs on a deeper emotional level. They give each of them their all to ensure their journey on this earth ends happily and peacefully. Their emotional strength is tested frequently, and they must make difficult, heartbreaking decisions around end-of-life care and ending a life. This constant moral dilemma of balancing a dog's quality of life with their suffering takes a toll. Luckily, Courtney and Renee have each other to rely on, to confide in, to support. 
and their unwavering commitment to providing love and comfort to dogs in their most vulnerable moments is a testament to the depth of their compassion. Saving one dog may not change the world, but for that one dog, the world will change forever. And don't forget, you can keep changing the world for your own dog by staying up to date on her wellness. Use the code one last, all one word, until the end of this year to get 15% off Dr. Julie Busby's tip to tail health scan. The link is in the show notes. Next week, I bring together some of the photographers of One Last Network to help you choose the perfect location for your tribute sessions with your pet. Until then, I'm Angela Schneider, owner of Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington, and your host at One Last Network, signing off to go get some Bella Snuggles. Listen to One Last Network on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a friend who might be interested in our content, make sure you share us with them. Thanks for listening.